everyone and welcome back to It All Starts Here. This is a podcast focusing on the communication and education of topics in reproductive science and women's health. I am your host, Olivia Moyer, and we are here at the Institute for Women's Health um, here at UCL in London. And today's topic is, as you can see by the title, going to focus on egg freezing, um, which is something that, of course, has been trending a lot recently in the media, but as well as that is something that is very important to talk about. Um, So today I have with me the lovely Dr. Zainab Gurton, who is a lecturer and sociologist of reproduction and gender here at the Institute for Women's Health. Um, Her research interests are really just in the social, ethical, and relational issues surrounding fertility, infertility, assisted reproductive technologies such as egg freezing, um, and new family forms. So um, I am so thrilled to have you here today, Zainab, um, to talk about egg freezing and hear all about this topic um, from your perspectives, as well as, you know, the different ones that you've done your research on. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you very much, Olivia. Um, So, I mean, I always kind of like to take a bit of a historical point of view on the topic. And as you mentioned, this has been going on now, egg freezing has been going on now for about a decade, so since 2013. Um, And I thought to start off, why don't we kind of look at it across the 10 years? What has this decade shown us about this topic? And and really just dive right in. Yeah. Um, And I guess it might be useful to just mention before we go into that, we can think about sperm freezing, which has been around for much, much longer. So one of the questions we get asked is, why is egg freezing a new technology when sperm freezing has been around for a very long time? And that's really to do with the technicalities of the kinds of cells that eggs are. Eggs are very large cells, the largest cell in the human body, and they have a high water content. So even though scientists were trying to freeze eggs for quite a long time before, um, the success rates were really low because those cells didn't respond very well to freezing. Um, it sort of uh, the process was described as you know they almost caused shards as, as they crystallized as they tried to freeze. And it's really in the early 2000s that a new technique developed, which is called flash freezing or vitrification, um, which froze the egg cell instantaneously, pretty much that started to yield higher success rates. And that was very experimental for around a decade. And then really in 2012 and the start of 2013 is when we see um, the professional bodies, both the American Society of Reproductive Medicine and the European Society for Human Reproduction and Embryology begin to say, okay, based on the randomized control trials we now have, we can say that the success rates for egg freezing are improving. And with caution, women can start to use this as part of their reproductive planning. So the decade that I refer to in terms of egg freezing is really that decade since the professional bodies have sort of okayed the use of this technology um, for, for women who are electing to undergo this procedure. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, crazy to know that it's something that I think that's kind of holds true for various topics relating to women's health where you know, it takes a little bit of time, maybe too long to get these different things kind of kicked off their feet. 
The advancement um, comes a bit slower than when we're talking about men's health, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of this egg freezing, um, there are obviously a whole bunch of questions that people have. Um, but I guess, first and foremost, what is like, maybe we can just do an overview of the topic. What is involved in the process? Because I think, you know, when people first think of egg freezing obviously we know that you have to get the eggs and they get put somewhere but but what does that really look mm-hmm. like yeah so the underlying logic of egg freezing is all to do with reproductive aging so as women get older they have fewer eggs and the remaining eggs that they have are poorer in quality So this is why as women uh, get older, particularly in their late 30s and early 40s, they tend to have more miscarriages because their eggs have more chromosomal abnormalities and they find it harder to get pregnant. So the underlying logic of egg freezing is that if you can take out some eggs when you're younger and flash freeze them and store them exactly as they are, that gives you the possibility to try to conceive with those younger eggs at an older age when it's the right time for you to try and have a baby. So that's kind of the backdrop. And obviously, we're now living in an era where um, age of motherhood is increasing right across, <laughs> right across the Western world and beyond. So this is something that might be relevant to um, increasing numbers of women. And then, as you said, what's involved is uh, it's almost like we're much more familiar with the idea of IVF. And egg freezing is almost like half an IVF cycle. So a woman needs to take drugs, hormones, in order to stimulate her ovaries to develop multiple eggs, as opposed to the one egg that would usually be developed in a month. And then those eggs are taken out with a surgical procedure sort of using a transvaginal needle. And then once the eggs are collected, unlike in IVF where they would be fertilized with sperm and creating embryos, once they're collected, they would be flash frozen immediately. And then the idea is they're there in storage if you wish to come back and use them at a future date, at which point you'd need to thaw them and then fertilize them with sperm, create embryos, almost like the second half of an IVF process. That's, I mean, just hearing about it from you, it's crazy it just is way more I think invasive than I mean at least I had thought but I think a lot of people unless they're really going through it come to believe because there's just you know on top of the actual procedure like you said there's hormones that you have to take which is you know really affects your entire lifestyle um yeah I mean I think sometimes egg freezing is talked about in fairly flippant terms or in very elective terms or in, you know, in the same breath as something like Botox. (laughs) Um, And and that really can minimise the extent to which we're talking about a medical procedure. And like every medical procedure, there are potential side effects and there are potential risks. And most of those risks are fairly well managed, very well managed in most cases, and most people tolerate the side effects quite well. But it's important to know that some women do suffer from risks and side effects. And I think um, one of the problems is that because egg freezing is talked about in this rather... um, Light-hearted. Light-hearted, yes, as if it's almost like a luxury product kind of way, some women do find themselves entering the procedure without a full appreciation of 
what might go wrong or what might be involved, which, you know, that's really problematic because we really want people, especially when they're undertaking a medical procedure, to be fully aware of those potential difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Um, And, you know, as I sort of said at the beginning of the episode, it's something that is kind of a trending topic. And I like kind of how you refer to it similarly as, you know, luxury treatments, for example, Botox, because it's so true. I mean, we see celebrities doing it and talking about it and there's kind of a glamour around it. I think there are absolutely some, you know, celebrities who talk about it in a more in-depth way, which I think is really important and um, important to illustrate the process. But yeah, I think it's definitely kind of over-glamorized. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, when when I talk to women about egg freezing, most women um, might not know anybody who's been through an egg freezing process. But as I said, the the medical process itself is like the first half of IVF. And almost everybody knows someone that's been through IVF. And if you speak to anybody that's been through an IVF cycle, they will tell you very clearly, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. It can be quite taxing on the body. You know, some people can find it quite uncomfortable. Um, and, And in a way, it seems that it's more acceptable to talk about those difficulties when you're going through IVF, as opposed to if you're going through egg freezing, with the kind of the implicit assumption being, well, you chose to do this, so, you know, um, just put up with it. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess one of the troubles that it is for me is, is it's, it's solution. You know, I, I guess we can dive into, you know, who it is that's really doing this. It's kind of proposed as a bit of a solution, um, which we can talk about further, but Mm -hmm. who is it? I mean, through your research of, uh, people that are doing egg freezing, I know that often, you know, my mind goes to people who want to have it as potentially an option to help with their, um, you know, careers or you know have something going for them they want to spend more time without children but they they don't want to cross off that possibility in the future I mean what do you find is true like are there certain groups of people that are doing it more than others absolutely so there are two main groups of people that are freezing their eggs um one group are precisely like you've described and Um, I call those women, you know, proactive egg freezers. And they tend to be in their early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. These are young women who either know that they have a long career trajectory, you know, they um, they are starting out as lawyers or doctors or in the foreign service or, you know, they have these quite exciting professional careers, which they know it's going to take a little bit of time before they're in that place ready to settle down and have a family and what they want to do is make sure that they are freezing their eggs now so that um, if they decide to have a family you know in five six seven eight nine ten years time they have these younger eggs stored and those women tend to feel quite positively about the process they feel like they're making quite an empowering decision so that's the first group The second group of women tend to be older, so women in their late 30s or early 40s. And those women really um, are, I call them preservers, they're preserving their remaining fertility. They're not really intending to delay becoming a mother. Many of them say they really wished they could have been mothers by that point. They had expected to be mothers by that point. And either they have 
come out of a relationship fairly recently, a relationship that they thought was going to progress into having children, or they um, haven't been able to find the right partner to have a family with. And they're sort of at a stage where they feel like if I don't do something now, um, I'm going to lose my remaining fertility. So, and, and actually those women tend to be much more anxious because they're not necessarily freezing their eggs because that's what they really wanted to do. They're freezing their eggs because they don't really have, um, they don't really feel like they have many other options. They don't want to become solo mums. They know that they'd really like to have a shot at motherhood, but they just want to buy time um, to perhaps find another partner or something like that. And, you know, the, 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 pro- the profiles of those two groups are slightly different and distinct and kind of the emotional journey for those groups is slightly different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, what was the statistic that you were telling me when we were talking about this? I think it was something, so the people that are freezing their eggs out of those two groups in general, to generalize, um, you were saying one in five people will go back and get their eggs? Well, n- uh, not necessarily will, <laughs> but um, if we look at some of the data we have right now, um, so a few years ago I did a study with the largest clinic in London that's providing egg freezing, and what we found in that uh, research was that one in five women had come back. So, you um, know, that's um, the, that uh, that could change in the future, mm-hmm. but looking through their data over a ten-year period only one in five of the women who'd frozen their eggs had come back. So it could be that we don't really know what happened to the other four-fifths. Right. Did they have children uh, naturally outside of a clinic setting? Did they decide not to have children? Are they still undecided and are still leaving their eggs in storage for some point in the future? We really don't know. But it was that quite small number that had come back to use their use their eggs. And that sort of really echoes the research we have globally at the moment is we know a lot more about women who are freezing their eggs and a lot less about anybody who's come back to use their frozen eggs because the number of women who have done that is still really relatively small. That's so interesting. I mean, mm. I wonder, because, you know, as I kind of alluded to earlier, um, obviously egg freezing is a really nice kind of, it's presented in a nice way as a solution. You know, I look at that kind of, I, I hope not to be able, or I hope to not have to go through that kind of procedure because obviously anything that requires additional kind of medical care can be, there are different things about that that people don't necessarily want to go to um, or go through. Um but in terms of having it as a sort of solution, I think it's important to talk about, um, obviously, as we mentioned, the, the risks that are involved, but why, you know, people are doing it. Like, what are the motivations behind it? Because I remember we were talking about this a little bit um, earlier. I sort of look at it as, you know, if I want to continue my career and, and have kids eventually in my life, um, having that as sort of an option to to fall back on um, could be helpful for me. And I think, you know, it's kind of promoted that way in our society. But I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, maybe the way that we look at, look at it shouldn't be so much as, like, it just feels a bit, a bit like a false hope based off of... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you used the phrasing, you know, something that you could fall back on. Mm. Uh, I think that's a much better way of thinking about it than um than the term that's often used which is an insurance policy 
I think it's really important to convey the idea that egg freezing is by no means an insurance policy. So I think one of the biggest risks, <laughs> and this is not a physical risk or a medical risk, but one of the biggest risks of egg freezing is that people will have um, mistaken ideas about their likely chances of success. Right of having babies from those eggs. So it's definitely, egg freezing is not the kind of technology where you can put some eggs aside and you can think to yourself, well, if ever I want a baby, there they are. Mm. No. At the moment, the success rates we have from egg freezing look look like one in five. And they may increase a little bit over the next decade to something like one in four. But that's still a lot lower than what many people might think. Right. And, you know, there are many cases of women who freeze their eggs. Let's say they freeze 10 eggs, 12 eggs, and then they go back six, seven years later and none of their eggs survive the thaw process. And of course, those cases are not talked about. You know, what we see are, because this is a big commercial field as well, let's be be honest and realistic about that. So what we see highlighted and what we see exaggerated and what we see represented is the potential hope that this technology offers and is the kind of potential benefits. Now, we see much less discussion of those cases where you know, people are just left devastated or disappointed. So I think it's really important if anybody is freezing their eggs that they do think about it as you know, like a fallback, right. <laughs> something you, you really shouldn't be relying on as your plan A. Right. Because something that has a one in five or one in four yeah. percent chance of success should should never be the you know the main plan that you rely on. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it's kind of presented in a way where it's um it's meant to give you a bit of comfort, you know? I mean for so long, um and and still you know, the whole process of, of reproduction, most of that falls on the woman. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in our society, we've made great advancements in terms of like a woman's ability to participate in the workforce through various different fields. And so I think the having egg freezing is sort of a way to like coincide with that. Maybe it's a technology that's meant to help women, but I think obviously you have to have the right balance between the information related to egg freezing and the different areas of education on this topic so that you can go into it in an, in an informed way. Cause I mean, by no means in this episode do I want to say like, don't think of egg freezing as a possible solution. You know, uh, of course it, it could be that for you. And I think it's important to empower women cause that's what it's really all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's not anybody's business to tell another woman what is or is not right for her reproductive trajectory or her fertility you know these are really decisions women need to make for themselves in a way that suits their life and their life plans so egg freezing could absolutely be the right decision for one woman but it could be the absolutely wrong decision for another woman based on how they're making that decision and what information they have to go on. So I think the really important thing is that women are fully informed about the side effects, uh, the risks, the uh, success rates, you know, in a really kind of realistic and fully transparent way so that they can decide not just whether they want to put their bodies 
through that medical procedure but do they want to fork out five ten thousand pounds and you know of course that's not that's still absolutely not accessible to the great majority of people um because it's so expensive but for some women regardless of the expense or regardless of the very small success rate it could be the absolute right thing Mm. um but what's important is that that kind of information is available and that women aren't duped into freezing their eggs by by the promise of false hope yeah absolutely i think that's so important and i i totally agree um in terms of you know we've touched on how it really does come down to the woman and I completely agree with you I mean everyone should be able to make the own their own choices for themselves um based off of as much information as they can be provided with do you think that there's a way though for you know the partner or in you know let's just talk about it in a heterosexual couple the man like is there a role for the man of course you know you don't want you know some guy telling you oh you know you better freeze your eggs not in that way but is there a way that they can help in the process is there a way they can be more involved I mean yeah at most at the moment from what we know most of the women who freeze their eggs tend to be single and not in a relationship um or they tend to be in relationships that are uh unstable or uncommitted So, you know, we do also see women who are freezing their eggs because their partner is not necessarily committed to the relationship or not necessarily committed to having children. And in those cases, it's a little bit of a problem, right? Because if you have um, if you have a disagreement in a relationship and then the male partner says, well, I don't know, you can just freeze your eggs. (laughs) That's sort of that's the kind of dynamic we don't want to see. On the other hand, just like any medical procedure, if you are in a partnership and your partner is going through something, of course, there are so many ways to be supportive and kind and, you know, just to make that person feel safe um, and supported while they're going through that. Um, I think it's really interesting to think about, you know, particularly as a sociologist, something I do think about is a fairly new technology like this, how might it affect gender relations going forward? Um, And how might it affect how women think about their own responsibility, their fertility, their negotiating power in relationships? I mean, some feminists have been concerned that if the technology of egg freezing exists, then it almost gives men who want to postpone having children kind of like a get out clause (laughs) you know that you don't have to make that decision right away you could get your um, partner to freeze their eggs and then prolong the amount of time you have to make decisions and again you know that's probably not uh, an advisable route yeah Um, but it's interesting to think and see how these things are going to develop in the coming decades yeah, no, I, um, I, I really, it's something that I, you know, whether it's talking about egg freezing or it's talking about different topics in reproductive science and women's health, I think something that we have said since the beginning of this series and, you know, has become, you know, more evident to me is it's just, it always comes down to the woman, like always. And I guess I just think that a way to move forward, not only should we be taking in, you know, opinions to educate women, but it should also be to educate the man like there or, you know, the partner, because yeah. there's just so much room to include more people. Obviously there are spaces where it's the individual's choice, but I think it is important to be able yeah. to feel like you have the support of 
other people in the community. Absolutely. And, you know, more broadly, I started out talking about this issue of rising age of motherhood or later motherhood, which we're seeing right across the world. Um, And that's often talked about in terms of women postponing childbearing or women wanting to have children later. And actually what some researchers and sociologists have argued is that much more than women, it's the men who are wanting to have children later and women who are needing to fit in with that. So there is a very important piece around fertility education that needs to be addressed to both men and women. So to constantly tell women that their fertility is declining without also telling men <laughs> that that message is kind of missing half the audience, as mm. it were. You know, men need to be aware that um, their female partners have a limited reproductive lifespan. So if they do want to, you know, create families with their partners, they need to also take that into account you know and that has to be um, maybe as a society we just need to be a little bit more aware of that right. and a little bit more um, supportive of that right yeah for both men's and women's sake absolutely yeah um, so talking a little bit about this shifting it um, towards more of a ethical kind of gear I mean egg freezing obviously there are so many different stages where I think ethical concerns and issues can arise but I mean you talked about people that come back and and for their eggs one in five roughly Mm -hmm. the people that aren't coming back for the eggs I mean how long are those kept obviously we're talking about in the UK here but you know how long are they kept and and what happens to them when they're not used so in the UK we used to have a law that said eggs frozen for elective reasons so not for medical reasons let's sort of put that aside that's a whole other um, scenario but eggs that were frozen for social reasons until last year could only be stored for up to 10 years so if you froze your eggs when you were 32 you had to either use them or discard them by the time you were 42 that was just that 10-year limit Um, and that changed last year and now the eggs can be stored up to 55 years which uh, you know a lot of people find that really weird you know 10 years might be too short a time but 55 that seems like a crazy long time Um, but that was just to do with sort of the technicalities of, uh, of of the of the legal structure and framework so effectively effectively what that means is there isn't a there isn't a deadline on storage at the moment. So those eggs can be, you know, as long as you keep giving consent every 10 years, you can store them for up to 55 years. One of the concerns people have about that is that even women who are no longer considering using their eggs, either because they are too old or they've created families, they might just want to keep them in storage because these are quite precious entities that you know most women will have gone through quite a lot to get and it's possible that you might have complicated emotional um relationship or complicated emotional feelings right about those eggs and so it is a concern that we might end up with thousands and thousands of eggs in storage in different laboratories across the uk Um, And again, as I said, this is a fairly new law that's just come in. So we don't know. We don't know. Will women, as soon as they have completed their desired family size or as soon as they've decided they actually 
don't want children, will they call the clinic and dispose of those eggs so they don't have to pay the annual storage fee? Or will they just keep storing them? Or maybe will they donate them to research? Or So we really don't know what's going to happen with those increasing numbers of eggs that are now being put in storage. Yeah, and I'm sure that that can't be um, cheap to keep your eggs in storage either. Yeah, it's about 350 to 500 pounds a year at the moment. Wow. Probably will increase in the near future, I suspect. So, you know, it's not, uh, it's a consideration for sure. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, okay, so we've we've talked, you know, sort of about who is doing it and, and the motivations behind why they're doing it. Um, but, you know, in previous podcasts where you have talked about egg freezing, you've kind of um, alluded to some concerns that you have in that space of egg freezing, particularly about sort of, as you touched upon here, the marketing of the egg freezing and, and who is kind of being targeted with this. I mean, I'm, I have to admit, like, for sure, I've thought about it, not seriously or, or as, you know, something that I'd be doing anytime soon 23 23 yeah yeah so you're getting facebook ads and instagram ads for egg freezing i get ads i get you know in different social media kind of people talking about it that they have gone through their experience with it but also like on tv and reality tv shows that Mm -hmm. i'm watching it's something that i see people going through talking about it just kind of is like a constant chatter yeah that's kind of background noise and so it just similar to Botox is something that you feel is oh yeah I guess I could do that it's just it's sort of seeping its way in and I'm kind of like well actually (laughs) I don't know about that (laughs) yeah I mean I find that disturbing Mm. (laughs) and you know you are a 23 year old young woman who is uh, more involved and interested in the science of women's health than most So you can just imagine that for many young women, that constant chatter could actually become really concerning, Mm. especially if what they end up feeling is, oh my goodness, my fertility is going to run out really quickly. And here is this perfect technology that offers a solution. And if I don't do something about that now, it will be my fault if I can't have children. I mean, that's a really, really problematic message Mm to be sending to young women. I think um, I think certainly early 20s is an inappropriate time to be targeting women for egg freezing or thinking about egg freezing. So there is the so let's separate the kind of the scientific story from the social story. Scientifically speaking, we know that the younger a woman is, uh, the better quality her eggs are. So at age 23 you have fabulous quality eggs and they're only going to deteriorate in quality however there is no reason to assume at 23 that you will have any problems in having the family that you want later down the line so if we have a situation particularly that we're seeing in some places in the US of like aggressive advertising saying, you know, this should be the present that you give to your daughter when she graduates university, etc. What that will mean is just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women needlessly going through a procedure that they will never need and that will never offer them benefit and that has some potential of risks. Yeah. that it could actually, you know, damage their bodies in some ways, mm. 
without the, any possibility or any, any need for offering um, benefits down the line. Yeah. So I do understand that, you know, particularly from a medical perspective, younger eggs do better. So there might be an argument for, especially women who are going to, who know who are going to want to have children later in life, who are going to want to leave having children into their late 30s or early 40s. There might be an argument for them to freeze their eggs in their late 20s or, you know, when they're 30 or something like that. I can totally understand that. To think about it, earlier than that I think is just really exploiting young women mm. and just generating fears yeah. <laughs> you know generating unnecessary fears and what we need to look at is who benefits from that when it's not young women that benefit from having those increased fears it's the companies that are selling it so important yeah mm. it's um it's definitely something that we've been talking about more here is just sort of um focusing on separating what you just said, sort of the social side of it from the science. Obviously, there's a space to incorporate um, the education, you know, in terms of the science with the social, but there's also, you know, when it comes to marketing and, and different tactics that are based around, you know, generating some sort of income, it's important when it comes to our health, really important to focus on, you know, why that's probably not in anyone's best interest as an individual and just I think you know again as a sociologist uh, you know in the in the kind of sociology of women's health courses that I run here at UCL one of the things that I really want my students to try and think about are who is saying what Mm. you know if this is a message that you're hearing well where is that message coming from and who benefits from that message being relayed in that way and it's really important to try and think about those things because they're not always super straightforward. So if there is a huge kind of advertising campaign for more and more young women to freeze their eggs, it's really important to just stop and think, okay, where are those messages coming from and who are they benefiting? Um, and to just kind of be a little bit critical and analytical about how we process those messages. Such good advice. Yeah, I think... Such good advice for <laughs> egg freezing, but also, you know, as you said, anything relating particularly to women's health. Um, yeah, because what we don't want at the end of the day are, you know, any technology in and of itself isn't necessarily good or bad. Right. It could be used for good. It could be used for bad, depending on how it's framed in society. So this is why we want the kinds of laws and the kind of ethical principles around things that mean that you know technologies provide benefit to society as opposed to harm. Um, so I think that's kind of what we've got to be aware of. Yeah. We don't want women to have ridiculous, unrealistic expectations and additional responsibilities and burdens placed on their shoulders. And we certainly don't want young women who are never going to benefit from it to feel like they have to freeze their eggs because it exists and they must do it. It's like, no, (laughs) this technology exists and it might be the right choice for some women, but that will really depend on particular circumstances. It's absolutely not something everybody needs to go out and do. So, so true. I, yeah, really, really great. That's all I have to say. I'm kind of speechless, to be honest. I've learned so much from you. Um, oh, and it's, it's lovely been, talking to you. It's been so great having Even you here. Even though it's a very hot room. I, I, I was going to say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I guess on that note, um, I look forward to seeing with your research, you know, your different perspectives um, 
in this in this space going forwards but it's been so great talking with you thank you so much olivia thanks for coming